Say that again, because that is like your single job as an employee, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's to make your boss look good. Shake and welcome back to the All In Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Jordan, and I have today a dude who three years ago really couldn't even tell you what it meant to be an entrepreneur because he was ridden with over 200K of debt. Imagine that. How much would 200K set you back today? Then in 2016, he booked a solo trip to Kenya, and that changed it all. Ryan Helms, what's shaking, my man? Welcome to the show. What's up, Rick, man? Thanks so much for having me on. So ready to kind of dive into everything. Uh, and hopefully I can provide your audience some value today. I'm sure you will, brother. I mean, just with that cliffhanger, I like that. You know, that trip changed it all. So let's uh, let's dive into that, man. What, 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 your debt, right? 200K, right? How the heck did that happen to begin with? I, I think it like happened for a lot of people in, in the US and probably all over the world, really. It just kind of sneaks up on you. You get caught in this whole consumer culture where like you want to like keep up with the Joneses and have the coolest new stuff that comes out. And before I knew it, I so like that trip, I went on that trip and I met all these people that were traveling the world. And I was like, man, that would be super cool to do. Like, I would love to do that one day. And then I was like, on the flight home, I had to address like the big elephant in the room. Like, how the hell would I finance that? And that's when I really started because I'd kind of like put my head in the sand when it came to like my finances. I was like, I knew I had enough to eat and really do what I wanted to do. I didn't need to check my bank account to see if I needed to do anything. Uh, but once I actually like looked at the numbers, I was like, crap, like I'm a law, like I'm dependent on my job. Like I'm dependent on that check coming every month where I wasn't paycheck to paycheck, but I still needed that. Like I didn't have like a year runway saved up, for example. And then that was like what really like hit me. And I was like, like, I don't, I don't want to have to make decisions based off of finances. And that's really what, what clicked for me. Right on brother. My, my actual real brother, my blood brother talks about having that emergency fund a lot too. I mean, he's got like a whole budgeting system and everything that, that he does is like a masterclass that you said something that made me think of him because I think he says like six months or three months or something like that. You were talking like a year's worth of runway. You know, and I don't even know if there's many Americans that even have that three months worth of expenses stored away, you know, and I'm even talking, dude, like pre-COVID, you know, when, when everything was good for the most part, I don't think many even have that three months saved up to where something could happen that way. You know, so that's, it's an interesting perspective you're talking about. You're talking about going out a year and that's what was like your goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the big thing is so like anybody my age, I I'm I think I'm 33. I, I really, I'm either 33 or 34. One of those. <laughs> what um, do you want to be today? You know, yeah, don't go 33. That sounds better. Perfect. I figured uh, you'd choose that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, most of the people my age, like, so when I graduated college, it was 2010 and we were coming out of recession. So like ever since I've been able to make real money, like things have been golden. Right. So I did like, I was never worried about like, if I lost my job. Like, what would I like? Would I be able to get something else? Like, the economy has been like on a steady uptick the past 10 years. So, like, w like people my age have never really had to worry about anything like this. It's just always been like, I don't need savings because like things look, the horizon looks good from here. So I think, but this is a real wake up call for a bunch of people right now. 
Yeah, no joke. And I was, uh, it was an article, I think it was in Forbes a little bit ago, and they were talking about this millennial couple in New York. And again, this was pre-COVID, man. And they were saying, you know, they make like 175K a year together or something like that. No kids. You know, and they were even saying that they don't feel rich. They don't feel well off even making $175,000 a year combined. Yeah, and just because of, of rent and everything else, but then the other choices that they made. I mean, they're living in New York, of course, so they have to drive some nice cars in order to have the drive the jobs that they have and everything. And they just still didn't feel ahead making that kind of income. You know, and I, I compare that to like the small business administration that says that the average small business owner takes home fifty nine thousand dollars a year. <laughs> I spoke about that at Harvard just a just a year and a half ago too, and that stat blew my mind. So here you have. 59K from a small business owner. You have a millennial couple, according to Forbes, that is making 175K a year, and they still don't even feel ahead. And you're talking that this 12 months runway. So when you said you made a phrase, right? I heard what you said when you said, before I started making real money, what is real money? <laughs> I think real money is anything, uh, you know, out of that. Uh, I don't. I don't want to like say anything that would offend anybody that's working these kind of jobs. Well, it's, but, like, it's when perspective, I was in, right? It's subjective. Yeah. yeah right. So, exactly. Yeah. So like when I was in college, I was working in like a shoe store, right? And I was making like I don't know, like eight bucks an hour or something like that. Like it was enough to like help me buy food while I was in college. But then like as soon as I started getting a paycheck, and the funny thing is like in the agency that I run now, we've got freelancers living in Serbia making more than I was making in my first job out of college in the US. Like it, that that one little thing right there just blows my mind how how fast, this is kind of getting on a tangent, but how fast like the world's shifting and how you can use location arbitrage to really like grow a business with really high skilled people. But, you know, to your question, yeah, just making like a nice paycheck, couple thousand bucks a month was just like, I was like, oh man, like I made it. Like this yeah. is it. Like <laughs> <laughs> you've got this millennial couple though. It's like what's 175k a year, you know? Because that's like what 15 grand a month, something like that. You know, maybe 16,000 a month, and they're thinking, oh, this still doesn't do it, you know. But I understand that too, you know, because I mean, I've got a family with three kids, and you know, stuff costs real money. You know, if I could even use that phrase too, real money. You know, so you look at, it's a lot of times people look at, especially this past year, you know, with how the economy just kind of tanked, it's like, oh, what am I going to do? Well, I have to go into debt to pay off my expenses, you know, or to cover things for now. You know, and I've, I've never looked at things from the perspective of, you know, I can't afford this. I always ask the question, how can I afford this? You know, and even when I'm working with, uh, I remember in sales calls with vendors, I'm like, they would take me to that next level in business and they'll throw it back out there. And they're like, well, do you have a budget in mind? Like, I've never done something with somebody who does what you do before, but it sounds fantastic. And I don't really have a budget, but even if you threw a number back at me, I'd be like, you know what? I'll be right back in two days. I'll go sell something. <laughs> and, and then I'll be able to, uh, to afford this. So it's like the, how can I afford this mentality is something I've always lived by. So this, this trip to Kenya, man, you said it changed it all, right? And you, you, you had to face that elephant in the room. How did thing, how did things change for you? And what did this trip do for you? Yeah. So like when I hit the ground, when I hit the tarmac coming back to Atlanta, I was immediate, like, I, I had no concept of business. Like, I didn't, like you kind of said in the beginning, like, I didn't know anything about being an entrepreneur. Like, in hindsight, yeah, I grew up knowing people that 
own their own business, but I never heard them referred to as entrepreneurs or like, I, I just thought they just had a job and they just ran things at their job, you know, like it, it never connected the dots. <laughs> well, we- that's true too, you know, not to cut you off, but there's a difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner. There's a lot of business owners. I don't know if there's a lot of true entrepreneurs. Yeah. And, you know, just to hit on that, somebody said something to me, uh, it's probably been two months ago now. They said, um, a lot of people aren't business owners. They just own a lot of stock in the company they work at. Wow. And I was like, oh man, like that is so true. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like just like an owner operator or something like that. Yeah. Wow. All right. So you you hit the tarmac. yeah. 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 So I hit, I hit the tarmac and I got home and I, I really just approached it very like matter of fact, right? So like, what are, what are my getting out of debt is on the surface, so simple. Like it's, it's A minus B, right? Expenses, you just have to reduce <laughs> expenses and raise your income. It's like, like a deficit <laughs> diet, right? It's the same. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Just like take your yeah. calories down, right? Your, your expenses and, and figure out how to eat more of something else, right? Make more money. Uh, so I had like a, I had a little sports car. I had a, a new 370Z. Uh, I got rid of that, sold that, uh, got a used Honda Civic. Uh, just sort of like really looking at where my money was going and saying like, the uh, like the only reason I drive a, a sports car is because I want people to think I'm cool. But do I really care if people think I'm cool? Not at all. Like it's not going to change anything about my life if I drive past somebody going down the road and I like, go, oh, that's a cool looking car. Like So I, I really just started like evaluating these things. And so I got rid of everything that I consider like non-essential. Like that's when I got rid of cable and like a bunch of stuff like that, that were just like expenses that didn't add any true value to my life. I was able to like really start to expedite things. Like then I started like doing the math and I was like, okay, like now that my expenses are lower, like here's how fast I can pay off this debt. I'm a very visual person. So I put everything in a spreadsheet and I started crunching the numbers. And like, once you know how much debt you have, and you know how much money you make, you can easily figure out how long it's going to take you to pay off that debt. It's very simple. I hated that number. That number was not a, like, it was fall. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was way too many years into the future that it would take me to pay yeah. that off. Just to clarify for everyone listening, you were probably taking your current level of income, right? And comparing that to your existing debt that you have, not making more money, but looking at your current level of income. Yep. And so I was still in the mindset at this point of, I was not in the producer mindset. I was just in the mindset of like, let's reduce my expenses. And then like, that'll help me out. And then the producer mindset had to kick in and say, okay, this is way more years than I want to hang around here paying off this debt. Like, how can I speed that process up? So that's when I started listening to podcasts. I can honestly remember the first podcast I listened to, at least in like the business context, I was with my friend. We were going to do a, a juice fast, uh, the first juice fast I ever did. Uh, so we were going to the store and he put on Pat Flynn, Smart Passive Income. I think this is a gateway for a lot of people. Uh, and I listened to that and I was like, oh man, this dude had like this crazy online business. This is pretty cool. So then I just started getting into it and getting into it. Tried a bunch of different stuff that didn't work. Spent far too long trying to build a website that I hope people don't waste as much time as I did just trying to build a website. Um, so I, I just did all these things. And eventually, you know, I, I started trying to figure out what was going to work for me. Launched a Kickstarter, raised a little bit of money on Kickstarter for a project. And yeah, just did a bunch of stuff until I stumbled into uh, my agency now. That's awesome, man. So when you went into that producer mindset, is that really what helped you pay off your debt? Oh, 
for sure. Yeah. So drastically get, expedited. Because I mean, you can throw numbers out there if you want to, but what level of income were you at when you said, hey, I need to address my debt scenario? Yeah. So when I made that decision, and this is a, it'll dovetail into a good point as well. So when I made that decision, I was probably about 60K a year. When I went into the producer mindset, it helped me in two areas. Not only did it help me it like create these side businesses that were going to make some more money, it also helped me in my day job because I went into it with the mindset that like I yes, I want to be working on these things on the side that are going to generate additional income, but like my day job is what's putting food on the table now and I need to make sure I like kick ass in this thing. And through that process, I by the time I left that job, I was making like 110 a year and that was in like a 2-year period. So I got like four promotions during that period from just like kicking ass and taking names and doing this stuff. So dude, yeah. So you were at 60 K a year and you're thinking this is perfect because there's a, there's a lot of people that are listening that I know they're like, you know, this show is popular because it's entrepreneur based, right? And there's a, there's this dream and there's this like mystical thing about being an entrepreneur, you know, and a lot of the grit and hustle and really the fact that you don't have the safety net is the part that sucks about it sometimes. You know, so there's individuals that find out maybe that's not for me, but as a W2 employee, you can still kick some ass. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So you went from 60 K a year to 110 K a year. So pretty much doubling your income in like two years as an employee. Yep. That's bad. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. So like one tip for anybody that, you know, is still working a day job. The the thing that I found that really, uh, the mindset I had to be in was, my job was to make my boss look good. And so that was one part. Dude, I need a mic drop. For real. Because <laughs> that's a, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head <laughs> right there. Yeah. Say that again, because that is like your single job as an employee, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's to make your boss look good. Right on. Yep. So, and then the, the second part of that was anytime something came up, like any type of new project or anything like that, even if they weren't asking me to raise my hand, I was like, hey, over here, like, can I help? Can I, can I do this? So I was doing my best to get in front of all the big wigs in the organization. So anytime a project came up, I was doing my damnedest to like get my foot in the door and it worked, man. I developed relationships with all the VPs in the company. And this is like a, there's like 30,000 people in this company. So it's a big company. Like every week I'm meeting with like the VP of our supply chain division and started developing some really good relationships. And guess what happened when these opportunities came up? Like they knew me, they knew I performed. Dude, I'm not that smart at all, but I will outwork anybody. So that, and that's what they like. Cause like most, especially in the corporate world, things are so systematized in a business at scale. You don't need a genius. You need somebody that can work hard. So like if you can demonstrate that to your leadership, dude, you're going to go off like a rocket ship. Right on. There is a reciprocation factor to that too, you know, because it's, but it it should always be initiated by the employee, you know, because you, you should never take a job as a W-2 person and be like, hey, what's this place going to do for me? You know, especially if you're like entry level or something like that, you've got to say, hey, this is my give. This is what I'm bringing to you. And then reciprocating, you know, the good leadership will be like, hey, I value you. And I'm going to show you with my actions that I value you. I'm going to give you a promotion. You know what? Now I'm going to give you responsibility over these other divisions, you know, these other projects that we're working on too, because you have shown your value and I value you. You know, it's a, it's an awesome symbiotic relationship. And dude, I love your mindset in this too, because you can be a producer working for somebody else. 
Yep. Intrapreneur. Intrapreneur. I love, dude, I never heard that. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> that's, you didn't coin that, did you? Because maybe no, you didn't. No, dude, there's, that's, a, there's an I've entrepreneur. Never heard that. And then yeah. And there's <laughs> that's an entrepreneur. Awesome. <laughs> dude, yeah. That's incredible. A, a lot of people will make far more money than they would ever make being an entrepreneur as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about how you paid that debt that off. Because I mean, you reduce your expenses, right? You know, what, what was the shift in that? Because you said originally you're like, whoa, that was way too many years making 60K a year. Now within two years, you're at 110K a year. You know, how did that number shrink and how long did it take you to pay off all your debt? And w what did you do specifically at that point? Was there other methods besides just reducing your expenses? Yeah, it was 27 months in total from the, awesome. the point. Yeah. yeah, the point I said, like, like, let's do this. Like, I'm going all in till the point that I paid it off. And just to be clear, like I didn't live off rice and beans. Like I still like, <laughs> I still like went out. I still traveled, like, uh, you know, went overseas a couple of times during that period. Like I was still living life, but I was doing it in a much more like controlled fashion. Yeah. If that makes Oh, no doubt, dude. When I was dropping weight, man, I mean, it's still maintaining weight, you know, working out four times a week. It's the same principle that we're tying it back to. I just had a cookie at lunch today. <laughs> same same principle because it's just you still do the things that you enjoy you don't have to cut out everything you love in order to succeed yeah yeah so it's, it's the whole 80 20 thing right as long as you 80 percent of the time you're doing what you're supposed to be doing like doesn't matter if you get it wrong the other 20 percent, you're still going to win no doubt no doubt man so did you pay off every dollar or did, were you able to negotiate some of these things down too yeah, so I, I paid off everything. So at at the moment, that was uh, so I still had uh, I had a little small studio condo that I was living in. Uh, I paid that off. I paid off uh, the car, all the credit cards, student loans, everything in that time period. It was it was done. And what got me to like the last fifty k left, like when I had fifty k left, that's when my business. That's when I finally figured this thing out after about a year of like trying a bunch of stuff, like finally found something that started making some money. And I, I quickly made, uh, like our business did about, from the time we started, it did about a hundred thousand in about five or six months. So then after taxes and all that kind of stuff, it, it left me with about 30, 35 K for me. And so I was easily able to knock out that last chunk. And I had a target of November of that year, and I paid it off in like June of that year with the help of that. Uh, That's awesome. That extra money. I'm curious on your perspective on this from somebody who's gone through this scenario. What debt did you pay off first, and why? What what, what approach did you take? Yeah, good question. I started just uh, the the entry point for me was Dave Ramsey. So like now, like in hindsight, I think there's some flaws in in his perspective and things, but it was really good yeah. for me to, <laughs> to start. Yeah, to start, right? Yeah. It was a good starting place. So I just started with credit cards because that's what he talked about. Like start with the highest rate of interest first. So I knocked that out. Then I knocked out my car. Then I knocked out my student loans. Then I knocked out my mortgage. Yeah. So that was yeah. that was the order. It's interesting because there's two schools. You're right. Because it's a Dave is a good starting point, you know, and there's some things that he has that are great. But then there's some things that, especially when you get into the business mindset of things that they just don't work because it's just for general consumers for the most part. But I know he talks about paying off your highest interest stuff first. And I, I think that's good in some scenarios. And this is what for people that are listening to take a look at this, because if you have, let's say $25,000 on a car, right, that's at 5% interest and you have 
$25,000 in a credit card that's, you know, 25% interest. The reason why credit cards keep you trapped so long is because they make you pay like just like a dollar or two above what like an interest only loan is. <laughs> and that's why it takes, you know, like 17 years to pay a card off if you if you well, only you, pay you the minimum. You want to hear something <laughs> funny? So it's all I had the same thing happen to me, but with uh, with student loans. So I mentioned that like my head was in the sand for all these years when it came to my finances. So uh, all this, I, I kind of had this like come to Jesus right moment. And I guess it was like 2017 or something. I can't remember exactly now whenever I did this trip. Uh, so when I looked at my finances and I opened up my student loans, I realized I owed 800 more dollars than I, when I graduated college. And I've been paying on it for like seven years. So what they set me, the payment plan they set me up with coming out of college, because like I just, they were like, hey, here's how much you owe every month. So I was like, cool. It wasn't even covering the interest. <laughs> I was like, "What? Yeah. How, how do I owe more money when I've right got on. a <laughs> Yeah, and those—I mean, cards too, credit cards—they're variable in their rates, you know, because they—they they take it off of like what whatever prime plus whatever percentage they're tacking on too, so they can change over time too. So that it's crazy because the other school of thought is in that same scenario with twenty-five thousand car versus twenty-five thousand credit card is if they're both that dollar amount, but you can actually, but your car payment is like 500 bucks a month or 600 bucks a month, whatever, you pay that 25K off first, like with a bonus you get or something like that, now you have more cash flow. You have more cash every single month to do something with, and then you can knock out that credit card faster. That works a lot like if you get a bonus or something like that, you know, from your job, your W-2, or if you're a producer, if you're an entrepreneur and you close a big deal, you know, if you have the ability to pay off that larger one that has the larger payment first, when it's like dollar for dollar, almost the same balance, then you can knock out the other one even faster. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And one of the things I realized through the whole process was because I, I considered myself to be very financially illiterate just because I was, didn't want to pay attention to it. Now, one of the things that I realized when I talk about, you know, now I see some flaws in the way like Dave Ramsey promotes things. It's really around debt and how you look at debt. That was That's one of the biggest things probably in the past two years that's changed in how I approach things. And the, I used to think like, in, that's why I paid off my mortgage. I was like, debt is the enemy. Like, get rid of it. Like, it's gone. It shouldn't be here. Like, I want to pay everything cash and now I realize that there's there's some value in debt to to do certain things, especially in the real estate world I'm getting into now. Those are appreciating assets versus depreciating exactly. assets. Yeah. So your money can make money. That's the fantastic part in that. Yeah, man. So you 27 months, you paid off your debt. What'd you do after that? So it's uh it's funny. It's like one of those moments that you get to and you're like, huh. Yeah, that's what, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Like, I'm going to go buy something now. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I didn't. And, you know, I, I made one really big mistake that it took me about, probably took me about eight months to a year to realize the mistake I made. I had no goal after that. Like, that was my goal for so long. I didn't plan the next goal after that when, when I was approaching that one. So I just like, I floundered around for a year. Like I, I didn't like buy anything extravagant or anything, but I wasn't like doing anything smart with my money. Like it was just, I'm just kind of living at that point. I was like, Oh, I did what I came to do. And, but if I would have had like the next step already planned out, it would have been so much more efficient. Nice. So what was that next step for you? 
when well, you for took a long it. Time, it was nothing, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, eventually. So I got into uh, I rented my condo, I paid off my condo. We moved out. I rent that out. So that cash flows now. I get about six hundred a month off of that from just cash flow. Uh, now I'm getting into other rental real estate. So that's I'm just trying to really focus, put all my extra income into acquiring rental properties. That's cool. Yeah, I mean they're 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 really like passive assets at that point. It's fantastic, you know. I mean, there's no true thing I don't believe, you know. And the, the people can challenge me on this, whatever. But I don't think there's any true thing as like 100% passive income, because there's still thoughts and energy you put in those properties, man. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. And like, like my first experience was the the first week my first tenant moved in. He somehow like ripped the shower handle off the wall, <laughs> and, and so like no, it's, it's definitely yeah. not passive at all. Is there? No. It, yeah, it's like, is there anything truly passive? Uh, no. no. Even and if that's get, even with a property management company. So yeah, like, I, yeah. I pay them, but they still call me and like, hey, this dude says that the the water's running and the toilet's filling up and water shooting out of the wall. I'm like, yeah. oh, like what? So <laughs> definitely not. Call the plumber. That's what I'm yeah. paying you to do is field that call and make a decision for me. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think uh, it's definitely a a strategy that you start to reap the benefits at yeah. scale. Right on. No doubt. No doubt. You got into podcasting now too. You're pretty fantastic with that. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of, so I did that for one specific reason. So I, I told you I spent like this year trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do. Then after I launched this Kickstarter project, I raised like 13,000 off of that. But I realized like if I calculated the hours that I put into that, I like probably made like negative money. The Kickstarter, I like, yeah. I was, trying to <laughs> I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. Like, because I, I didn't like, I wasn't business savvy and in, in maybe I'm not now still, but who knows? Uh, but I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. And I was like, okay, this isn't a repeatable business. I can't keep launching Kickstarter projects. So like, this isn't a business. This was like a one hit wonder type of thing. So what am I going to do? So I started a podcast just to like interview people and start to like pick their brain. And then after about a hundred interviews, I figured out something to do. It took me a long time. So, but eventually I figured it out and uh, then stumbled across my business partner who I found. He interviewed me. So podcast connected us there. And then I've got another software product that I'm working on. He was one of the guests on my podcast. So like and now our our agency is focused. We do content marketing, but it's focused on podcasts. So like the whole thing came circle just for me, like starting a podcast to figure out what the heck I wanted to do. That's awesome. There was somebody else that I knew that was doing that too. And he's like, I wasn't an expert in anything. Then I started 35 different podcasts. Now, now I know something about 35 different industries and he would just bring out experts that way. But what is that? I mean, that's, that's not necessarily, that's just networking, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's just talking yeah. to people, man. Forming relationships. I love that. So it's uh, LegacyPodcasting.com, right? which is a school to, to teach you how to podcast successfully. Yeah, we have digital products. Yeah, and then we do uh, our, our main revenue source is done-for-you services. So we do done-for-you content marketing. Like we lead with podcasting as kind of like the hook that gets, gets people's attention, but we do full-service content marketing. That's awesome, man. So how did this change your life, you know, diving into this thing? You said you found your business partner, but, you know, starting the podcast, where was that shifting point for you and what did it do for you? Yeah, I think really how it changed is I got to the point where 
I was doing, I was going, I was waiting for Starbucks to open at 5 a.m. in the morning so I could be there when the doors open so I could work for like two hours before I went into the office. Then I would go to the same Starbucks on my lunch break. Then I would go to the same Starbucks when I got off of work. And eventually it got to the point where it was like, it was every day, all day, the weekends. And, you know, I, at this point I was engaged and it, it just got to be where I had to make a decision. Like, do I want to chase this this dream of building this business and and see if we can grow this thing? Or do I want to go the safe route, which is continue with this company I've been with for the past five years, which I'm growing in. And I chose the route of starting a business for, for some reasons, one, the potential upside of more revenue, right? A lot more than I could make in that in that job. The other was I wanted the challenge, right? I wanted to really like push myself outside of my comfort zone and see like, what did it take to actually start a business? And uh, just a, a quick tip, it is the fastest way to personally develop yourself that you could ever, ever run into. Like, I, I think it should be a requirement for everybody to it, it start a business for some period of time because yeah. the experience you get, you will never get in the corporate world. You you're, you just won't be privy to those types of challenges and experiences, no matter no matter what scale you get to, because there's so much support and in, in safety nets around you in these big organizations. But when you have your own business, everything's on you. All the big decisions are on you. You get it wrong, like there's nobody to say like, "Hey, Ryan, that's a horrible decision." Like, it, it's just <laughs> you got to deal with that yourself. Exactly, yeah. which is a whole nother level of accountability, man, because it, you know, as well as I do, especially when you have people that are working for you, it's no longer, I mean, fine, you know, when you have a, when you're working for a big corporation or anybody to where you're just a, a where you're a W-2 job, you have yourself and your family to worry about, you know, but then when you start to realize when you're, you have this business, or even if you're at like a high level, maybe director or C-level of of a corporation and you can really take this on this mentality yourself and recognize that I'm actually responsible for the livelihoods of everybody that works for me. That's a whole different kind of pressure, man. Yeah. And, and you know, I, it can be looked at as pressure, but for me, I was telling this to somebody probably probably six months to a year ago. It's the most fulfilling part of the experience for me. Amen. I always say I love payroll time, man. You know, I, I love hitting submit on that thing. Like the 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 coolest thing for me, and we just had a, so one of our team members, one of the first people that we hired, she thinks she was actually number two. We've got a team of 15 now. Um, she was like, hey, I just uh, I just bought a house. Just, just bought my first house. Um, another one of our team members, the other day, he lives in uh, Kenya. He was like, hey, man, he's like, I just want to say thank you because uh, we did a profit share thing this year for the first time. And so when I gave him the bonus, he bought a new laptop and he's like, hey, man, I've been needing this for like three years. Thank you so much. Like like that kind of stuff. Like I'm like, bro, I don't even need to get paid this month. <laughs> yeah. <I feel> good. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I love how you use the podcast too, to find what you wanted to do, you know, just to search that out. That's awesome, man. What tips would you have to for somebody who's starting a podcast? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. One that we get quite often. I would say definitely approach it with a niche. Uh, unless the, the caveat to that is if you already have some type of built-in audience, then of course you can go a bit more broad. But uh, I think you need to go into it knowing what you want to get out of it. That's super important because I could totally change the strategy that you move forward with. 
Um, do you want to be looked at as the expert? Do you want to use it as a lead gen source? And we have clients that do both. We have some that the whole thing for them is to nurture their existing people in their audience to, to either keep cultivating that relationship or get the people that are on the fence over the fence. So they use it as a mechanism to build trust. We have other people who just hop on interviews like we are right now. And their whole goal is just to get in front of people that could be prospective clients, not to pitch them, but just to, this is the gateway to open that relationship, right? Just a conversation. They would never be able to sit down with this C-level person for an hour otherwise. So it's just a great relationship building tool. Uh, t- there's tons of ways good for affiliate marketing. I mean, I haven't made a ton, but I mean, I've probably made five to 10,000 just off affiliate marketing. You know, I'll bring a guest on, he'll have a, a product, a course or something that he's selling. And, you know, I'll promote it him like, Hey, if you want it links down in the show notes, I'll get a couple thousand bucks off that. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of ways to approach it, but you really need to understand where you're heading so that you can figure out the the model that you want to approach, you need to have a niche. So for me, for example, like how I approached it was there was a bunch of people like awesome people like you that are inter- uh, interviewing entrepreneurs. I was like, I want to be in this niche as well, but they, they are, they're like way ahead of me, right? They have way bigger audiences. Like I've never interviewed anybody. So like, how can I like go in a little subset of this, right? A niche of this. So like I went after people that were still working day jobs but had a business that was generating more than 5,000. That was my criteria. I would only interview you if you were still working a good day job and you've had a side business generating more than 5,000. Because those are the type of people that, that was me, but they were I, they were just a little bit ahead of me. Like I didn't want to talk to somebody that had been an entrepreneur for 10 years. I wanted to talk to somebody that's like kind of in the same situation I'm in. So I can figure out like, ask them like how they're doing it. Like how are they managing this? How are they managing their time? Like, all the, all these kind of detailed questions that come with like du- juggling two things. That's a so good that point, man. Yeah, because there's almost like a disconnect, right? Because uh, I mean, where you and I are at right now versus somebody who's just starting out, you know, w- they can aspire to to be where we're at. You know, but that was you and me that were aspiring to be where we're at right now ten years ago. You know, and and trying to I remember, dude, even that like that million dollar glass ceiling, as it's called. You know, because in my industry with managed service providers, there's not many that break that. You know, and most are like one or two man shops and they're maybe doing 300 to 500 K a year in revenue. And it's like, I, I was that, you know, at that point in time. And I was there at that level for a long time, you know, out of the last 11 years that my cybersecurity company has been in business, it's only really been like the past four, you know, so it took seven years to get to that million dollar mark. And then it shot off past that point, you know, so it, it was hard to relate during those first seven years to people that had already blasted past that. Yeah. And it, and for me, it, it was all like, I, I struggled for a long time with just the mindset aspect. And I would like, when I would hear these people that were just crushing it, I'm like, man, like, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, like, how right come on. it's yeah. like clicking yeah. for me? And then you start uh, so, to self-sabotage when you hear that stuff too. It's like, oh, well, I guess I'm not good enough, you know? And then subconsciously you start to do things to where, and I know I did this, right? Uh, to where I could see myself to where I was like, just derailing intentionally. It's like, well, this, uh, you know, if I haven't gotten there by this point in time, you know, like those other successful people, you know, why should I even work as hard or try as hard? I guess this is my level. And you start to have that come to fruition, man. Until like you said, you, you just start to blast through that that horrible fixed mindset and start to actually say, you know what, maybe I can. 
And social media really amplifies that because according to Instagram, everybody's living the life. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> according to Instagram. <laughs> exactly. Those are the keywords for anybody listening is according to Instagram. Yes. yes. Thanks for it, that. That's the first time I ever like true. ate my microphone too. Yeah. I appreciate that. That was, that was beautiful. It gave me a good thrill. <laughs> you know, it, it, but it's not, it's not the reality though. So like uh, we saw a stat the other day that you know, said that our business, even at the level we're at, we're in like the top 3% of small business. Yeah. Yeah. And worldwide. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like how, is that, <laughs> how is that possible? I feel yeah. like we're like, well, I feel like we're still like scratching the surface. Yes. But just, you still feel like a startup, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, that just really put things in perspective. Like you have all these people like flossing on the internet that like, they're they're just probably in a very bad place mentally and like this is what gets them through the day and like i feel bad for them like really like I, i'm glad i'm at a point where i feel like i don't need to do that like not that i've made it or anything but i i think that a lot of people do that as bridging the gap between like where they're really at and where they want to be yeah right on i feel you you got married in india three years yeah. ago right yeah, yeah you might dude. see some pictures right here yeah Oh, yeah. On your TV back there. That's awesome. I've been seeing some of that. That's pretty awesome, dude. Yeah. Way to go, yeah. man. What's in yeah, store that for that? Fun. Yeah, that was, it was amazing, man. Like, so I've been to a lot of weddings in the U.S., right? Uh, and they, I, I used to dread every one of them. Not, I, like, loved, like, I was super happy for the people I was there to see, but just, like, the whole process was just, like, a uh, little monotonous and boring for me. Uh, and then I experienced, like, it, my wedding in India was the first one that I, I'd been to there. And it was just, it's so over the top, man. It's like three days long, all these ceremonies, like the whole family is there and committed. Like, it's not like in the U S like your, like your uncle's there, but he's like, Jesus, I'm ready to go home or I'm ready for the after party so I can have a beer. But, but like there, like everybody was like pot committed. Everybody was like all in the whole family. They would take off like a week of work to participate in your wedding. And it was just like mind blowing to me, the cultural difference between there and here and it was just an absolute blast like my wife is the first of her uh, family to come to the u.s she got her master's from uf and uh, she stayed here and somehow married a white boy and uh so i had to convince them that i was okay and then went to india and we got married <laughs> that's awesome dude <laughs> congrats man <laughs> that's so much fun Brother, I've appreciated our conversation. I want everyone to go to Ryan Helm's site at LegacyPodcasting.com, especially if you're looking to start a podcast or you need some kind of amazing content marketing. Dude, thank you for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me, 312-535-8520 follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. See you next episode. I am Rick Jordan and I approve this message.